Welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse Podcast, the longest running podcast of its kind. Carrying on the 18-year legacy of Army Wife Talk Radio, we have now expanded our community to include all military spouses of all branches and all components. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us as we empower military spouses to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Now, here are your podcast hosts, your Mission Mill Spouse Command Team. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Mission Mill Spouse Podcast. I am Chrissy Gibbs, Mission Mill Spouse's Director of Development, and I'm so happy that you're joining us today. We're here to globally empower military spouses with resources and support so they can not only survive this lifestyle, but thrive. This is show number 974 of the longest running podcast of its kind, and it is my pleasure to introduce my team member and co-host, Angelia McMichael, our partner recruitment specialist. Thank you, Chrissy. Hello, everyone. It's truly a privilege to bring you resources and support through this podcast, and today is no exception. To kick things off, we'll share some of our top resources to help you navigate this mill spouse life. Then, in just a bit, we'll hear from our Director of Content, Kathleen Palmer, as she chats with Marcus Brotherton and Tosca Lee about their book, The Long March Home. So let's get started. Listeners, did you know that Mission Mill Spouse is entirely powered by volunteers and the generosity of our partners? That's right, Chrissy. Celebrating our partners is always a joy, and I'm eager to introduce today's Mission Mill Spouse podcast partner, First Command. We would like to thank First Command Financial Services for sponsoring today's episode. First Command offers complimentary financial plans for active duty military, E5 and above. Visit www.firstcommand.com to learn more and find a financial coach near you. Thank you so much to First Command for their generous support. As a 501c3 organization, both individuals and businesses can support us in our mission, and we would love if you would choose to join us. Check out our website, missionmillspouse.org, to donate, or you can email partner at missionmillspouse.org for more in-depth details on our extensive partnership deliverables. Just a reminder, all donations are tax-deductible and go completely towards supporting our military spouse community. Thank you. Before we dive into today's resources, I would love to chat about the latest happenings in your household, Angelia. So how are things going with you? A little chaotic at the moment. Uh, (laughs) My tiniest human just had surgery, Oh, I guess, two weeks ago, tomorrow. Oh my Um, gosh, I can't believe it's already been two weeks. I know. And she's still, bless her little heart, she's still recovering. We have found out throughout this process, you know, her little body just doesn't handle like anesthesia and things like that, kind of how a normal person would. Yeah, that's so, so hard to learn. We've had, you know, a couple little bumps in the road, but she's doing great. And, you know, we're super hopeful that um, the procedure is really going to help her. And hopefully we can get her allergies and stuff under control and she's going to breathe so much better. So, oh, yeah. I hope she gets well super soon and everything goes super smooth. Obviously, um, We've had some discussions offline about this, but um, yeah, just just hoping she's under the best care possible in your area. And I know you're potentially looking towards future stuff too. So in your future area. You know, we have gotten so lucky. Her care team here is just phenomenal from, you know, the ENTs to the allergy specialist and anesthesia, all of it. They've 
they've really been fantastic. So it's going to be hard to say goodbye, I bet. <laughs> it, is, it is, but I'm, I'm so thankful that at least, you know, in the military world, when it comes to like specialties and stuff, it's kind of like a small thing. Yeah. So everybody kind of knows everybody. So they've already put in like emails and the referrals and all of that and let, Oh, that's so good. Receiving team know what's happening. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. And Oh, that's going to be such a good transition. That's so good that you have that. It is, you know, we just picked a heck of a time to try and like cram all this in though, you know, trying to sell a house and pack a house and uh, it's, it's a mess, but we're doing it. <laughs> just got to, yep. Truck along day by day. That's kind of how it is. How are things we're, on your end? Yeah, we're in a different season of life. We're obviously not PCSing, so we don't have the stress of, um, you know, an impending move on our shoulders, but um, it is still a super chaotic and busy season here. It is spring sports season and I just started a business and um, my husband's in a super busy season of, you know, his career. And so it just seems like every day is packed and there's not a moment to just sit and breathe. (laughs) Constant chaos. Yep. But you know, we just continue on day by day, step by step, sometimes minute by minute. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yep. We just have to get through, right? Yeah. Just keep trucking along. Yep. That's kind of our mantra here. Right. Just keep swimming. Oh my gosh. I love that movie. It's it's the best. Oh gosh, it's been so fun to catch up with you, but we got to get this show on the road. So let's check in with this week's resource recon. Today, we're going to focus on the elephant in the room, which is PCS season, permanent change of station for those that are newer to the military community. It just basically means it's time to move. With this summer quickly approaching, many families are currently in a state of limbo, trying to line up dates for packers, find housing in their new locations, and even figuring out how to travel with a pet. We have so many resources on our website about these specific topics, but I wanted to shout from the rooftops that we can help support you through it all. If you head over to missionmillspouse.org and click resources, you will find our PCS one-stop with links to all of the important checklists, documents, and the best tips and tricks from experienced mill spouses. I have a hundred percent utilized this within the last like month. <laughs> oh yeah. Than probably anybody in the world right now. <laughs> well, I do have to say the most searched um, webpage on missionmillspouse.org is ironically command sponsorship. Like I didn't realize it was this huge thing until I was looking for it myself to move here. Oconis. Right. <laughs> I didn't even know what it meant, but I was like, why is everybody searching command sponsorship? And then when it came time for me last year, I was, Oh gosh, I was on our website at least twice a day. It was, you know, checklists and, Oh, I just needed all of the pointers for how to move overseas. And so it can be super, super overwhelming. So it's really great to have like, have everything in one spot, you know, where you can go and make yourself your list and get information and all of that. And it's just, it's such a great resource. I love it so much. I know. And I love that. Honestly, it has things that I've never even thought of, you know, like things that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I should probably think about that. So I just think it's definitely worth your while to go and check that out, especially if you have a PCS season right now. 
Yeah, I I went on to our webpage whenever we got like our orders, you know, to where we're going. And yeah. Searching, <laughs> you know, what's housing like here and, <laughs> and all of that great fun stuff. And it's like, it's been wonderful just being able to go to like one place and find it all and kind of calm my nerves about everything. It's great. <laughs> I definitely agree. And I've definitely used it in the past two or three moves now. <laughs> well, many of our command team members are currently prepping for a move this summer, including myself. And they're still making Mission Mill Spouse a priority because they want to help support and empower other mill spouses like yourself. Speaking of empowerment, let's hear from Amanda and Ann. Speaking of empowerment, let's hear from Amanda and Amy with our Empowerment Patrol Report, along with our weekly Moxie Minute. Afterwards, we'll get the latest news from our new six correspondent, Emma. Take it away, ladies. We here at Mission Mill Spouse never doubt the strength of our military spouse tribe. Here is our Director of Empowerment with this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Hello, Mission Mill Spouse listeners. This is your Director of Empowerment, Amanda Bickneese, bringing you this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Today we are showcasing our Everyday Empowerment recipient, Christy Caballo, who was nominated by Karen DeMay. Karen shares, when I was a military spouse, the internet was in its infancy and information's flow was clunky with a time delay. I was in the service and then I married the service all while navigating life with a child who had cognitive development challenges, the latter which would become known as autism. Fast forward to today and I'm now a parent to the military, another child, and have been volunteering with Autism Speaks to help push the internet's information highway into a bullet train for those new parents who are just starting their autism journey. The impact of autism in the military community has a bigger obstacle to navigate because of PCS moves. Can you imagine the stress of PCS season while living with a child on the autism spectrum? If you know, you know, is the saying. Which brings me to Christy, a medical doctor married to the Air Force, raising multiple kids and one of them on the autism spectrum. Despite the academic background in practicing medicine, there was one challenge that Christy never anticipated tackling to the degree of which she has. Going into a figurative battle with TRICARE regarding TRICARE's overbearing and outlandish requirements of dependents seeking specialty care relating to autism. Christy left her job as doctor to be the full-time caretaker of her autistic child, and she founded a nonprofit organization designed to empower the military family in various stages of military life with knowledge to self-advocate for world-class healthcare and quality of life. Her organization, Mission Alpha Advocacy, pushes legislative and policy changes for military families living with disabilities and special needs. Christy is working to not only provide confidence and empowerment to fellow military families, she is working to reduce the frustration and stress of the bureaucracy that is the TRICARE system. She's working to bring common sense changes to TRICARE that will reduce parental frustration when military parents are doing everything they can to raise their military kids while navigating a mountain of medical providers and corresponding treatments for their exceptional family members. Christy lives everyday empowerment because she tirelessly fights the fight behind the scene to make military life a little easier for her brother and sister families. 
Wow. On behalf of Mission Mill Spouse, thank you so much to Christy for doing your part to empower military families all across the globe. Until next time, I'm Amanda Bickneys reminding you, empowered spouses empower spouses. Unlike our calendar plans, our commitment to serve military spouses is written in ink. Now continuing our 18-year legacy is Mission Mill Spouse Deputy Director of Empowerment with this week's Moxie Minute. Hello, fellow military spouses. It's your Deputy Director of Empowerment here, coming to you with another weekly dose of encouragement. This week, let's talk about self-care. As military spouses, we often put the needs of our service member and family members first. It can be easy to forget to take care of ourselves in the midst of deployments, PCS moves, and everyday life. But the truth is, self-care isn't selfish. It's essential. Whether it's taking a bath, going for a run, or simply taking five minutes to meditate, it's important to make time for yourself. Take a break and recharge your batteries. Because when we take care of ourselves, we are better equipped to take care of those around us. So this week, let's make a commitment to prioritize our self-care. Let's take a step back and do something for ourselves, something that brings joy and relaxation. Let's make self-care a habit and not just a one-time thing. Remember, self-care isn't a luxury, it's a necessity. And by taking care of ourselves, we in turn are better equipped to take care of those around us that we love and also our fellow military spouses for when they might need a hand. All right, you guys are all superstars. Thank you for everything that you do and everything that you're going to do. And until next week, Moxie up. No news is typically good news in this military life, except on the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. Here is our News 6 correspondent with this week's top stories. Howdy y'all and buckle up for this week's News 6 update. Military children masterpieces shine at the White House. A temporary art exhibit was displayed in the White House for April in the hopes of bringing awareness to the month of the military child and the sacrifices they make. This was done as part of Joining Forces, a White House initiative to support military and veteran families, caregivers, and survivors. The art display consists of 10 mini suitcases to symbolize the frequent moving and pick up and go lifestyle many military children experience. On the suitcases are artwork depicting the places the military has taken them. This was inspired by a poem called My Military Suitcase, written by a fourth grade Marine child and displayed at the White House last year. It's my hope that this beautiful art installation helps White House visitors better understand and appreciate the unique experiences of the children who serve alongside U.S. service members and veterans, the First Lady Jill Biden said in a statement. A recent study has shown that the average military child moves six to nine times during their school age years and change schools three times more often than their civilian peers. To learn more or see some of the display, go to MilitaryTimes.com. The Marine's newest recruit has a awful lot to learn. Over at the Marine Recruit Depot in San Diego, California, Private Bruno is learning all the ropes of his new career from his mentor, Corporal Manny. Only catch? They are both English Bulldogs. Private Bruno, a five-month-old pup, has officially assumed the role as the depot's mascot while Corporal Manny is retiring to the East Coast with one of his beloved keepers. While they're both easing into the transition, the Defense Visual Information Distribution Service has been snapping adorable pics of the two bulldogs hard at work, including answering phone calls, calling formation, rucking, and doing PT. 
Bruno's handler, Sergeant Tyler W. Abbott, said he definitely has more freedom now that Bruno has graduated basic, and he gets to call himself a Marine. Every time he barks, he sounds more like a Marine and less like a recruit. Bruno was handpicked for the job by military canine recruiters who were looking for a pup that was outgoing and friendly, but also calm and cool under pressure. The mascots are swarmed by children, and they need to be able to be pet by these children without freaking out or biting a kid, Abbott said. While the depot is sad to see Manny go, he is ready for his new life in Philadelphia. He will just get to live out his life as a civilian and no longer have to put on the uniform and go to work from 0730 to 1400 every night, said Noel, a videographer for the depot. He will just basically be free to play with toys 24-7 and no longer have to do graduation ceremonies. They have big boots to fill as both pups are named after war heroes. Manny is named after Sergeant Johnny R. Manuelito, a Navajo co-talker. Bruno was named after Major General Bruno A. Hogmuth, the first general to die in Vietnam. Sorry, Marines, but I think it's safe to say that this private and corporal are the cutest recruits the Marines have to offer. To see the adorable pictures or read more, go to MilitaryTimes.com. A reunion worth the wait. Four U.S. Air Force vets were friends and roommates 50 years ago during the Vietnam War. They all went on to live separate lives and take separate paths. Last week, they finally got to get the gang back together again. Alan Price, David Thibodeau, and John Sutherland were all roommates at Clark Air Base in the Philippines in a dorm they called Happy Hollow. These roommates were all C-130 pilots who would fly cargo from the Philippines to Vietnam and Thailand. The fourth friend is Bobby Nita, who flew F-4 Phantom fighter jets, but was welcomed into the roomie circle by Sutherland since they had been buddies at Texas A&M. I decided after 50 years, it was time to get together. There's a bond, Alan Price said. Everybody's had a solid career, and everyone looks so well. All four men made it through the war, with Nina being the only one with a close call. They went on to be career military men, airline pilots, and cargo pilots. Several of them married nurses they had met in the Philippines or other bases in their careers. They decided to stop delaying a reunion when Nina's wife passed away last year. I decided after 50 years it was time to get together. Let this sweet story be a reminder to us that no time is never too much time apart when it comes to our military friends who become family. Find out more at AmericanMilitaryNews.com. Today in History On May 1st, 2011, Osama bin Laden's death was announced. He technically died May 2nd, but due to the time difference, the U.S. got the news a day early. He was shot and killed in his Pakistani compound located in the city of Abbottabad. He met his end by Navy SEAL Team 6 in an operation codenamed Neptune Spear. The whole raid lasted approximately 40 minutes. This ended nearly a decade-long manhunt for the man who is most well-known as the mastermind behind the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Anyone involved in the military during this time period slept a little better the night of May 1st, 2011. And while death is never a celebration, justice always is. That's it for me. This is Emma Tai with New 6, signing out. Thank you so much to our command team members for keeping us in the loop and lifting our spirits each week. Let's take a quick break. Stay tuned for today's main event when Kathleen interviews Marcus Brotherton and Tosca Lee. We cannot wait to listen in. 
Here at Mission Mill Spouse, military spouses are our primary focus. We have more than 2,600 blogs with topics including PCS, parenting, career guidance, humor, deployment, and more. Whether you're dating a service member, have just said I do as a new spouse, or are a seasoned spouse with a whole collection of PCS stickers on your furniture, we have something for you. But hey, don't just take our word for it. I'm Lindsay, and when my husband joined the military, I was completely lost when it came to assimilating to military life and culture. This organization made me feel like I had support, a new community I could lean on, and equip me with invaluable information about military spouse life. Tap into all of our empowering resources at missionmillspouse.org or follow us across all social media platforms at Mission Millspouse. Welcome Mission Mill Spouse podcast listeners. I'm Kathleen Palmer, your Director of Content, and I cannot wait for today's empowering episode. Today's podcast is special because we have two guests, Marcus and Tosca, New York Times bestselling co-authors of The Long March Home, a gripping coming-of-age tale of friendship, sacrifice, and the power of unrelenting hope. Set in 1941, this is the tale of three best friends stationed in the Philippines at the beginning of the United States' involvement in World War II and the girl they left behind in Mobile, Alabama. Marcus Brotherton is a New York Times, USA Today, Publishers Weekly, and Wall Street Journal bestselling author and co-author of more than 25 books that have been called fascinating, brilliantly arranged, magical, and refreshingly frank. Tosca Lee is an award-winning New York Times bestselling author of 12 novels, including The Line Between, The Progeny, and The Legend of Sheba. Lee's work has been praised as deeply human, powerful, and mind-bending historical fiction. Marcus and Tosca, welcome to Mission Mill Spouse Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Well, I just want to jump in on the story, just to, just to start off, the, the story of the Long, the Long March Home. And I just want maybe one of y'all to start telling us about the story. What's it about initially? Yeah, I can uh, jump in on that one. This is, um, as you said, it's about three best friends who are stationed in the Philippines um, and it seems like paradise to them at, at first because it's it's a beautiful area. Um, they do drills in the morning and they have most of the afternoon off until the events of Pearl Harbor happen and the Philippines is plunged right into war. And it's a war that will take them um, all the way up until April of the next year. And it's it's a war of of missing supplies. It's a war of logistical issues. It's a war of not having enough ammunition, disease, sickness, uh, that sees these, these, these three best friends, um, defending the Bataan Peninsula. And it, that particular war, uh, culminates in the largest, uh, surrender of American troops in history, uh, the Allied surrender in April. And, um, they become part of a chapter of history called the Bataan Death March. So in short, that's that's kind of what, what it's about. But as you mentioned before, it's also about the girl they left behind, who is their fourth best friend. Her name is Claire. And so the three three boys are Jimmy and his two best friends, Billy and Hank. And uh, Billy's sister is Claire, and she's the one at home. That's good. It's it's really a journey of, of discovery on on both levels. It's uh, definitely a, it, it's a war story. And we wanted to introduce readers to the subject matter and really immerse them in the story. Uh, it's also a story of life at home and and the and the uh, the challenges that went on in the war years, particularly for the people who were left behind. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things we did for this story is we we gave it a dual timeline, so that in between the chapters with all the war, which is it's it's not light reading, you know, those chapters. 
Um, in between, we've got these nostalgic chapters of the time when these four friends are growing up together and how they become so close. And it's it's a coming of age story there and young romance and lots of fun stuff happening uh, in the other timeline as well. So I think that's really important, too, because a lot of times those memories and the, the reminders of how they grew up and back home really sustains soldiers, you know, both in battles then and also, you know, in today's in today's wars. So I exactly. think that's a great contrast. Um, so again, this is a pretty serious topic, you know, yet how did you decide to write this particular story? Like, where did this idea come from? Well, it all started uh, in 2010, if you can believe it. It's more than 12 years ago now. I had read an oral history uh, project about the uh, Bataan Death March, and I was just fascinated by, by the subject. Um, oral history, I've, I've done oral history uh, before. I've interviewed veterans uh, for any number of years. And I, I really appreciate oral history because it's just so immediate. The one area where oral history doesn't really work is it's it's not immersive like a, like a, a novel would be, like a good reading experience. And so I began dreaming of this book uh, way back in 2010. I wanted to help not only introduce readers to the subject, but take them deep into the heart of, of the subject. So um, I, I began to work on this novel by myself at first. I worked on it off and on for seven years. It was a back burner project for me. It was unfunded at the start. And um, I, I liked a lot about the book where, where it was going. In fact, I, I developed a first draft and I think it was good, but it wasn't great. I sent it out to readers, got a lot of great response. The characters were good. Uh, the, the, the plot line was great. Um, but I, I knew I could do better. And that's when I, uh, I, I kind of stepped away from the canvas and I called up Tosk and I said, you know, how'd you like to work on this together? I think we can, uh, we can really uh, do a great job when we combine efforts. So Tosca took it and worked on it for the next five years on and off. And, uh, and then we began to work on it uh, together again, just going over it, uh, different drafts to, to get it all into one voice. And both of you are so accomplished in your own rights, you know, and after, you know, reading what you have done. So Tosca, maybe you can take this question. What's it like co-writing a novel together? And like, how does that even work? <laughs> I get asked this question a lot. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of writing duos and even a few writing trios. And as far as I can tell, every writing partnership does it differently. This is my second time co-authoring, and so even, even this project was done in a different way than my previous projects that I've co-authored. And I, I think it really comes down to having a good respect and trust for each other. I think it really comes down also to knowing what strengths you're bringing to the table, which is important for any partnership. And I have to say, I just have to um, give Marcus kudos because he's he's such a generous co-author he's not like one of those people that holds on to everything with tight closed fists and <laughs> you know and it, you know he's he was very very open with the whole thing and, and said you know go in there and see what you want to do what you can do and um it's just been a real joy uh and as he said you know he had material and then I came into it and the material was on my desk for a while and then we went back and forth and you know, there's compromise involved and there's, uh, you know, respecting one another's non-negotiables. I think that we both are big believers in the importance of humor and the power of prayer as well. So those all those things factored into working together. Tosca is, is a really a great researcher on her own right. And, and she really dived into this manuscript in a big way when she came on board. 
Uh, I've done a lot of collaborations over the years. Um, I like writing by myself, but I also really, really like collaborating. There's just more power when you get sort of two minds working together on this. Um, I, I had mentioned that when I when I did the manuscript, I was I was not quite happy with it, and uh, and then Tosca worked on it and uh, and really really gave it a good once over, and then we we began to work on it together. Uh, so the, the the book is uh, is just coming out and it's receiving trade reviews right now, and uh, it just got a, a starred review from Publishers Weekly, which is just really rare. It, uh, Publishers Weekly just say great things about it. And then it also got an extremely rare uh, star review from from Booklist as well. So I think the results are speaking for themselves. Uh, this this novel is really a winner. Well, we also have it on some of our book club list in the military spouse world. So uh, hey, yes, we're we're very very. We have one admission mill spouse here, and there's a few others that have expressed interest in it. So uh, oh. when after the podcast airs, I'm hoping that maybe we can get more on board. Um, oh, that'd be great. And book clubs, call us up or, you know, write to us because we would love to join your discussion if you if you want to have us. We we love book clubs. So uh, let us oh, know I, I join that. I think that's a no-brainer. We would love to have you. And I'm laughing because um, your your quote, Tosca, where you said humor and the power of prayer that <laughs> you and Marcus both believe in. I think that's the way most spouses, we run our lives. I mean, I've been right, a male spouse yeah. for almost 34 years and it, I don't know how else to live, you know, mm. besides... Right besides that way. So yeah, I think that really resonates. And um, I know I haven't read the book yet. I've read a lot of the reviews Marcus mentioned, and I just think it's going to be so exciting. Um, one of the things that, you know, as when I started looking back at what you were writing about, um, I don't know as much about the uh, Batan Death March as I thought I did uh, after I did a little bit of research. But when you were doing the writing and the research, what's one of the most surprising things about this chapter in World War II history that y'all found? I, I can say for me, I, I had not heard of it. So when Marcus called me up and said, this is about three friends who are become part of the Batan Death March, I I was not familiar with that chapter in history. So, um, you know, one thing I hope we accomplish is to familiarize other people who may not have heard of it uh, as well. So for me, the whole thing was surprising because I, I just was not familiar. Years ago, I had done a, uh, an oral history project with the veterans who had fought in the Pacific during World War II. And so I had I had known from them um, just how how difficult that side of the war uh, was. Um, it was it was quite bloody, uh, even though the, the European campaigns were were bloody as well. So um, getting into Bataan in the in the conflicts that happened in the, in the Philippines, it's some grit, gritty stuff. I mean, it's it's difficult stuff in the sense that um, while we, 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 we have to know that these types of experience really happened, uh, where just uh, ordinary people were put in these horrific uh, situations. And that's that's one of the great things about immersive writing <clears throat> is that we can envision ourselves in their shoes and what would what would we have done in, in the same situation? Yeah, that's interesting. And that's I, when I read Band of Brothers for the first time, and I've seen the the show more than I've read, but I actually went read the novel for the first time. And I, the ordinary citizens, just like their background stories. Once you know them, you're like, wow. And you know, this guy was a teacher, or this guy was something else, or they're put in these impossible situations. Um, there had to have been a piece of the book for each of you that was really hard to write. Would you care to share maybe the hardest part of the story to tell or to write without giving it too much away? Some of the circumstances of the march, the the idea of being so sick, so hungry, so thirsty, so dehydrated, the idea of watching people get cut down or, or you know, 
just drop. This is this was all really horrific and heavy stuff to write, and um, that that was hard. I admit. Yeah, I, I, I will say that not every character makes it home alive, um, and and we we wanted to show that. I mean, it was it was deliberate to show deaths. Sometimes when we hear about uh, memorials and things like that, we sort of get lists of names, and it's hard to fully appreciate who these people truly were. Uh, you know, who they liked, what their hopes were, what their dreams were, what they uh, considered valuable in life. And so when we can get to, to know characters like this, and, and, and these stories are based uh, all on true stories that we have in our novel, when we get to know these characters and then they, they, they don't make it home, I mean, that's a, that's a poignant piece of, of, of the story of life. And um, real, real emotion is infused uh, in, 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 in that telling, for sure. Wow. Well, and I think even with the past 20 years of war, like those stories, you know, that are coming out now too, along those same lines, I think that, you know, you're right. I think it's always the hard part to write is that knowing those characters are not coming home. So, wow. Well, we are going to take a short break. Um, thank you so much, Marcus and Tosca, for sharing the story behind the book, The Long March Home. And listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Marcus Brotherton, visit MarcusBrotherton.com or you connect with him online via Facebook at Marcus.Brotherton.NW or Instagram at Marcus Brotherton. And if you'd like to learn more about Tosca Lee, visit ToscaLee.com, T-O-S-C-A-L-E-E.com, or you can connect with her online via Facebook at author Tosca Lee or Instagram or Twitter at Tosca Lee or via TikTok at Tosca underscore Lee. As usual, don't panic. All these can be accessed on our website and the links are in the show notes. Stay tuned for the rest of our interview with Marcus and Tosca after the commercial break. We will talk about takeaways from the book and advice for inspiring authors. This podcast episode was brought to you by our AWTR show sponsor, First Command Financial Services, whose mission is to help our nation's military families build a future worthy of their service. First Command provides ongoing financial coaching that evolves over the course of your military life and career. And with 170 locations worldwide, you'll find a First Command office near most major military installations. Visit www.firstcommand.com today and and find a First Command financial coach near you. Our mission is to globally empower military spouses with resources and support to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Whether you are an individual, a Fortune 500 company, or somewhere in between, join us on our mission. Make your tax-deductible contribution at missionmillspouse.org or if you're a business interested in sharing your product or services with our more than 100,000 followers, email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Military spouses around the world, thank you for your support. Welcome back, listeners. We're continuing our conversation with Marcus Brotherton and Tosca Lee. 
New York Times bestselling co-authors of The Long March Home. Before our break, we were talking about the process of writing the book and how the idea for the book got started. So let's jump back into the conversation and kind of take a different turn and say maybe what were the most fun parts of the story to write? You know, I think some of the funnest parts um, in this story happen in the backstory where we see Jimmy and Hank and Billy growing up, when we see... Uh, Jimmy's young romance with Claire and and just the kind of like stupid situations that these friends get into as young people growing up and the things they do for fun. I, I think that was really fun. And, you know, I, there were giggles that happened during the writing of, of that part of the book. Absolutely. The the camaraderie between the, uh, the three the, the three guys in particular. Uh, they're all they're all good buddies, and uh, you know they they joke uh, among themselves, and they're sort of uh, giving each other good natured insults, and that really comes through as well. They they obviously really like each other. They're on really comfortable ground with each other. And we talked about this being a really great um, book for a book club or for people to kind of talk about and discuss and take away. Do you have do each one of you have like a lesson or a thought that you would like readers to take away from this particular novel? You know, I think for me, it's just inspiration and gratitude, um, gratitude to those who endured and um, inspiration and the power of, of friendship and the power of hope. Mm, that's great. We really wanted to highlight the some of the some of the, the gray experiences in life, um, particularly in war. Um, they're often, you know, just difficult decisions that need to be made. And war is like life in this way. Uh, you know, do you do this or do you do that? And often the way isn't clear. It, it requires a lot of discernment and, and uh, decision making. And so one of the one of the big uh, essential questions of this story in, in the plot line is, uh, will Jimmy uh, kill, kill a, perhaps an innocent man uh, in order to save one of his best friends? And uh, it's it's the true horns of a of a dilemma there. What would you do if if you were placed in this situation? And so it 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 uh, the story delves into uh, that type of experience. What what do you do in those gray times? Wow. Well, and and I I think too it goes back to your statement about ordinary people. You know, we put or these ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances and the decisions that come out of that. Um, I think that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most about reading your uh, this the story. Based on the reviews I've seen, I think that I'm we re I really like the friendship piece of it. So the fact that all of them were actually friends back home in Alabama and then put in this horrific situation, um, I imagine there's there's a lot to come from that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna fangirl both of you just a little bit here on this next <laughs> question. So I mean, I went back through and looked a little bit, and Atoska, I'm gonna start with you. So how did okay. you get into writing? You know, I um, I didn't mean to become a writer. My early life was dedicated to um, this pursuit of becoming a, a classical ballerina. And that's something I I devoted all my, my early years and my teenage years to until I had an injury that really kind of made me rethink and it set me back. And so, I, you know, I went off to college and uh, I had always written before. I'd always written stories. I'd even won contests and things like that. I just never thought of it as a thing. And then I, I went off to college. I went to school in Massachusetts and I, I came home to Nebraska for spring break. And the only person I know comes home to Nebraska for spring break. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was home and I was talking with my dad about 
um, some of my favorite books, and I've always been a reader, and how a great book is is like a roller coaster ride, and, and it's a portal to another world. And I just blurted out that day, you know, I think I'd like to, to try to write a book because the idea was maybe I could make a portal or create a roller coaster ride for somebody else to enjoy the way that I had enjoyed um, those portals and roller coaster rides, you know, created by others. And my dad made me a deal that day. I was supposed to come home and work at the bank that summer for the second time and for the second summer in a row. And I was a terrible bank teller. I'm not good with numbers. I can't balance my drawer. It was like a mercy job or something, but that they even asked me back. But my dad said to me that day, um, I'll make you a deal. I will pay you what you would have made working at the bank if you spend your summer writing full time, treat it like a job and write your first novel. And so that's what I did. And I, I was hooked after that. That's a, that's an amazing story. That's that's yeah. great. He changed and my life. Yeah. That's great that he saw that in you and was able to do that. I'm going to have to ask my husband if he'll pay me to do something I love all day. I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, Marcus, how did you get into writing? Uh, I grew up in a world where, um, so my dad was a, was a minister and my mother was a newspaper journalist. And so I, I grew up with, in a home kind of filled with big ideas and, and reading and so I remember just as a little kid, my mother would read me just all the classics. I mean, we read C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and I don't know, Louisa May Alcott and sort of everything that we could. And I just grew up with this love of books. Um, I studied uh, journalism and, uh, and theology, both in college and grad school, thinking that it might become some kind of writing pastor, uh, combining both disciplines. Uh, worked in youth ministry for a while during college, and then um, it was time to write. So I, I uh, started out my writing career in a newspaper and uh, worked in a newspaper for a number of years and uh, just grew in the craft and learned how to uh, ask good questions and, and how to investigate uh, and research a subject matter. And then gradually I transitioned into books. I went full-time in books in 2005 and have never looked back. When you've been busy, that's for sure. If, if everything on the website is an indication of that. Um, and there seem, there seems to be like a few military spouses out there now, you know, dipping their toes in the water of memoirs and books. And so I know this next question will be an area of interest for them. But what advice would you give any writer aspiring to start maybe that we're starting writing today? Or do you have anything about writing or getting published you, you would like to maybe share? You know, I, for me, I always say, you know, read a lot, of course. Um, but just go for it. I mean, you can study the, the craft of writing and you can study it for a long time, but the only way to learn how to truly write whatever it is, whether it's a novel, a short story, poetry, whatever, is to jump in and, and start writing it. And that first novel I wrote that summer, that summer was 1989. Um, that first novel has never been published. It, it was not it was not meant to be or ready to be published, but I sure learned a lot by doing it. And I also always uh, give the advice to write as though no one will ever read it. And I, this is something I try to write by myself. Um, I have to remind myself of that a lot. And the reason I say that is because it takes the pressure off of worrying about what people will think or if it's good enough or or whatever. And I, I just say, write like you're writing secret stuff in your favorite notebook in your closet with a flashlight. <laughs> and that's how you get the good stuff down. Yeah, I, I, I usually tell people there are two truths to keep in mind. Uh, one is that it's super hard. And the second truth is it can be done. 
Um, and, and both halves of that are, are important because on, on the hard days when you're writing, you go, oh my gosh, I mean, will, will I ever finish this manuscript or will I ever get published? And to know that, oh yeah, it is hard. I mean, um, it, it is a steep climb. And uh, similar to Tosca, the, the, the first novel that I wrote was never published either. And um, yeah, having a throwaway novel in there, it's, it's not a throwaway novel. I mean, you, you, you learn by doing and you learn by writing. And when you write that, that first full-length manuscript, you're, you're learning and asking yourself questions and figuring out things and how to structure and how to plot and how to do characters and just sort of everything that goes with it. And then the, the encouraging piece is it can be done. I mean, if, if we can write novels, you can write a novel or, or whatever you're called to do, if it's articles or a memoir. Um, it's, it's just like, uh, sort of any other large challenge in life. You just put one step, one foot in, uh, ahead of the other and keep going. And, and eventually you, you get to the destination. So it, it can be done. Well, that, that's excellent advice. And I think sometimes, um, we just need to hear that, especially, you know, you know, it is hard and sometimes people shy away from the hard things, but I think that anything worthwhile and you two have been proof of that. Um, it does take a lot of time. When you talk about what you're working on next, is, do you each, are you working on another project together or do you each have other irons in the fire that maybe you'd like to talk about? Um, I'm working on, a, I'm going back a few hundred years in history um, to the midi- Middle Ages and I'm writing a, a medieval thriller. So that's, that's my next one. Wow, that sounds uh, exciting. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> More historical, just older. So that's, that's what I've got going on. Uh, I am working on uh, a collaboration with an actor right now in Hollywood, and I actually I can't mention him due to the contract. I, I can't mention him yet, um, but suffice to say is he's a great guy and he's doing a tremendous work. And part of his work is he shines the spotlight on the military. So it's going to be a great book when it comes out. Wow. Talk about a teaser. OK, now I'm super <laughs> <agree>. <laughs> um, Well, I've. I wish you both luck with those. They sound, both projects sound great. And it sounds like we'll have something to look forward to. And um, as we wrap up our conversations, the last question we ask each one of our guests. And um, so whoever goes first, the other one gets more time to think about it. One one question that we ask all our guests is what piece of advice would you give our listeners? And our listeners are military spouses, obviously. um, But what would you give our listeners to navigate this military life and um, with respect to your areas of expertise or just any piece of advice you'd like to offer military spouses? I think we touched on, like, you know, some great advice just for life in general earlier, which is the, the power of humor and prayer. And <laughs> I think, Amen. I think that's important. I'm a big believer in prayer. I'm a big believer in relationships and friendships and the importance of friendships. And, and, and I'm also a big believer in, in, finding, you know, of, of fulfilling the things that we feel called to do. And I, I, I believe that we're all uniquely gifted and all uniquely talented and, and, um, and, and finding what, whatever that is. So that's kind of my creed for life in general. Thank yeah, you. my wife, my wife and I have uh, very close friends who are in the military and uh, we've known them from college days and now we're, you know, all sort of mid fifties. And um, in fact, the husband has just retired and they, they moved about an hour from us. So um, after, uh, you know, being with them for, for many years as they've traveled around the country, now they've, they've settled down. 
And they talk about these things as well. I mean, how did they survive so many moves? And uh, it was making friends quickly and and being being present exactly where you're at. And then also keeping in touch with some, if, if you're able, some long-term friends who might not live next to you, but, uh, you know, today we're, we're just so able to talk to people by Zoom or phone or whatever it is. Uh, keep in touch with those long-term friends and, uh, and, and they can help you get through some of those uh, harder moments. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, really battle buddies and the relationships that, you know, military spouses, you know, develop and create really are important for life. So, wow. Marcus and Tosca, this has been such a great interview. You guys are like right spot on on so many things that you said. And I think you are going to give military book clubs across the nation something <laughs> great in the next couple of months. I do want to ask one question. Is, is your book release out now or is it May 2nd? Because it seems to say that on the site. May 2nd. Okay. So we can we pre-order now. Is that correct? Yes, please do. And in fact, uh, our publisher has a wonderful incentive going on for the pre-orders. So anybody pre-orders it can go to the longmarchhomebook.com and enter their receipt information. They'll get the audiobook free and a secret epilogue that Marcus and I wrote that is not in the book. So free stuff. <laughs> wow. And so that's, let me get that again. That's the longmarchhomebook.com. Yes, that's right, Marcus, right? The longmarchhomebook.com. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, right. that's where it is. And you can pick your store and uh, some of those stores, one of them, Baker Bookhouse has the book 40% off even with free shipping. So all the, all the good information is, is right there. Oh, that's so awesome. And I know our book club coordinator is probably listening to this as we speak. So that's great. Um, Marcus and Tosca, thank you so much for joining me today and um, inspiring other authors and giving us a little insight into your lives. As always, we thank you very much for serving our military community. Thanks, Kathleen. Thank you. Listeners, don't forget to check out the book, The Long March Home. You can order it pre-order it and any major retailer or at the longmarchhomebook.com. Thank you again for today's guests, Marcus Brotherton and Tosca Lee. And let's turn it over to our hosts in the metaphorical studio to hear their thoughts on today's conversation. Mission Mill Spouse, formerly known as Army Wife Network, is continuing our exceptional and long-standing legacy. Now serving all spouses of all branches, we are the longest-running military spouse podcast currently broadcasting our 18th season. In fact, we will break 1,000 episodes in 2023. Don't miss an installment. Subscribe on our website, missionmillspouse.org, or catch our twice-weekly podcast on the podcast app of your choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Remember, we've been there. You aren't alone. We've got your six. Thank you to Marcus Brotherton and Tosca Lee for sharing empowering resources with us this week. Again, to connect with them, you can find them online via their own websites, marcusbrotherton.com or toscalee.com, along with their various social media handles that can be found in today's show notes. This is a lot to unpack, Angelia. What were some of your key takeaways from the interview? I really enjoyed the fact that it was... That it's, you know, they really explained the book as, you know, it's this great story about the best friends and the ones that they leave behind, but it's based around a true historical event. 
And yeah. I feel like you don't find that very often. And so I, I like how they made it relatable. You know, they, yeah. they kind of said, oh, these, these are, you know, young 20 something year olds and they're just trying to enjoy life and, you know, going to paradise, what they thought was paradise. Right. And, and then, you know, kind of what they had to go through making these life-changing decisions during a war. Yeah. And, you know, I think it gives a really great perspective. I mean, even if they are, you know, fictional characters or whatever, I think that their feelings and the emotions that are going to be put into them are so valid, even, you know, with the happenings of today. Correct. Definitely. I totally agree with that. And um, one of my takeaways was actually, I thought it was so funny. Um, Tosca had mentioned how she wasn't originally a writer, how she always wanted to be a dancer growing up. Yeah, I I just thought that was so cute. And then obviously, um, even to be a writer, you have to have some kind of artistic flair. And obviously she had that in her. And so it was just, you know, another route to come out. But I just, I just enjoyed hearing that and like how the two of them worked so long on this book. Like they they didn't give up and it kind of just gave hope to maybe some writers out there that like, just because, you know, your first copy of something wasn't perfect, you know, there's a chance that maybe if you have somebody else take a look at it and just kind of keep trucking along with that, maybe you'll find it works out a little better. I just, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed listening to the two of them Just, you know, their connection that they have and how they, you know, feed off of each other and, I think that the work that they've created, you know, speaks for the relationship that they have together. And I'm, I'm really excited to actually be able to go in and read the book because it doesn't come out until May 2nd, I think. Correct. Yes. So it'll be coming out shortly. Oh, and the last thing that they were talking about with military spouses and um, honestly, like, I don't think either of them are a military spouse or are actually, are they connected to the military? I couldn't remember if that was a detail that was brought out. um, Marcus Brotherton, um, I think he said that, you know, some of his very close friends were military. Yeah. So then I was like, they aren't actually military, but they had like such a good read on, um, you know, like they, they knew kind of like what our lifestyle was like. And obviously it probably was just from doing so much research or whatever, but you know, when they, when they said like, what is your advice for a male spouse? And they, their advice was so spot on. Right. I was like, I would have said that. <laughs> so exactly. When I was just really came, impressed. When they kind of came out and they're like, you can do hard things. I'm like, yes, thank you. Like, this is my mantra every day. You can do hard things. <laughs> yes. And, you know, Tosca, she's, you know, write as if no one will read it. I think that that's just a great thing to live by, you know, just live life as if nobody's watching or, yeah, you know, write as if nobody is going to read it. And so I think that they really hit the nail on the head there with, with their words of wisdom and things like that. Well, military spouses, if you would like to get your hands on this book, Head on over to our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and of course our website, and you have a chance to enter to win. That about does it for another episode of this podcast. It's a wonderful experience to bring you this content week after week and invite you into our ever-expanding tribe 
We love doing this so much that we produce two podcasts per week. In addition to our full-length Monday podcast, check out our mini-casts, which drop each Thursday. Our team members share their personal military spouse experiences and favorite resources they've used on their journey. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on our website, missionmillspouse.org, or on the podcast app of your choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Don't miss our next full-length episode when we chat with Mike Meese about SBP open enrollment. This is a tricky topic that not many people understand about retirement, so I know it will be a super informative chat. We look forward to sharing. Let me start over. Just start with this is a tricky. Yeah. This is a tricky topic that not many people understand about retirement. So I know it will be super informative and we look forward to sharing that info with our Mission Mill Spouse community. As we wrap up, we would love to thank our podcast partner for supporting us on our journey to globally empower military spouses. Thank you again to today's sponsor, First Command Financial Services. With four out of five of financial coaches coming from the ranks of military spouses or veterans, they are uniquely qualified to help you pursue financial security. Visit firstcommand.com to learn more and find a financial coach near you. Partners like First Command Help us support military spouses and their families. If you or someone you know has a product or service to share with the over 100,000 followers in our network, let's partner up. Both businesses and individuals can donate on our website. You can also email partner at missionmillspouse.org for details on partnership deliverable opportunities. Remember, we are 501c3, so all donations are tax deductible. Finally, if you want to connect with us here at Mission Mill Spouse beyond the podcast, subscribe to our newsletter, The Sit Rep, that situation report for anyone new to our Mill Spouse neighborhood. We send The Sit Rep twice per month, showcasing our top blog posts, upcoming podcast information, giveaways, and more. To sign up, simply visit missionmillspouse.org. Listeners, it's truly an honor to be part of your Mill Spouse squad. We're here for you no matter what this military life might be throwing your way. We want to thank you for tuning in to this edition of our podcast. No matter what you're facing, we want you to remember we've been there. You're not alone. We've got your six. This is your Mission Mill Spouse Command Team signing out. Thank you for tuning in to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your tribe and leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our podcast on the podcast app of your choice to catch episodes that drop every Monday and Thursdays each week. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, or LinkedIn at Mission Mill Spouse. Snag some sweet freebies by signing up for our newsletter, The Sit Rep. And finally, if you'd like to join us on our mission to serve military spouses, consider making a tax-deductible donation on our website or email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Mission Mill Spouse, empowering you to navigate this military life since 2005.